We're uh, in a series called Our Words Matter, and what we talked about last week, it was the intro, and what we were talking about is the fact that our words um, mean something. And so what we talked about was the fact that uh, God has given us uh, this potential harm that we can do with our words and this potential goodness that we can do with our words. And we have to decide which way it's going to go. And so we talked a bit about kind of why, why our words do matter. George Carlin has a stand-up bit that he does about cussing, and he just says, they're just words, you know, they're, they're just words. What's the big deal? We shouldn't worry about it. But if you think, if you take that to its natural end, and you're standing up in front of your future spouse, and you say, I do, and then two weeks later, you're like, they're just words. I mean, words matter. Like, what you say matters. When you say, I promise, it, it matters. And, and here's the thing we talked about uh, last week. Not only do they matter just from a philosophical and uh, kind of just practical way, they, they matter theologically. Our words matter to God a lot. And our words reflect something much deeper than just our intellect or what we want to say or all that kind of stuff. And what we talked about um, last week was this verse here. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Then then we we kind of focused a little bit last week on this particular section. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. And we spent some time there, and that's kind of the general gist of everything we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks is the idea that out of the overflow of our heart, what's going on in here bubbles up and percolates, and then all of a sudden, it comes out. So oftentimes, we'll say things like, I didn't mean to say that. What we're really saying is, I didn't mean for you to see that part of my heart. I didn't mean to see that part of my heart sometimes, right? It's not just the person you're talking to. It's just like, whoa, I didn't, you know, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't, I didn't mean, I, I thought I could catch it before it, it came out and I couldn't. Well, that, that's just an overflow of our heart. And we see this in a good way too. Sometimes we'll be talking to our spouse and we'll say, I love you so much. My life is richer because you're in it and I, I don't know what I would have done without you. I, I, just, I just feel like I've been blessed by God because you're in my life and I don't really have the words to say it the way I wish I could. I wish I had all the money to give you and all that kind of stuff. Well, that, that all comes from the overflow of our heart and then our mouth speaks. And it doesn't always sound eloquent. It doesn't always sound, it just, it just is what it is. So that's what we're looking at. So what we talked about last week was this point. If you want to control your mouth, control your heart. If, if, you, if, there's, if you're always blurting out obscenities, if, you're always, if there's always something, if you always got to speak your mind, if you always got, there's some type of thing going on in your heart. I don't know why I keep pointing to my stomach every time I say heart. It's like, okay, I graduated from high school. Your, your heart, okay, and I'm hungry, so there we go. So I I'm, thought Lisa was in there, me, eat me hungry. Or, or, right, so, so out of the overflow of your heart, your heart, heart, your heart, the mouth speaks, okay? And so if you want to control your heart, uh, mouth, control your heart. So I don't know if your week was like mine. I kind of had this in the back of my mind, and I was asking myself some pretty important questions about, well, why, why do you feel like you need to say that? Why do you, what, what's going on on the inside that, you, that makes you, you feel that way? And, uh, 
And so we talked a little bit last week about just how powerful our words can be, and we spent some time on this verse here in James, that the tongue also is a fire. And I had a little, a little lighter, and we had a gas can up here and a rag f- covered with gas, and I was waving it around, and everyone's like, woo, but the, it was really covered with water, and I tricked all you guys, and that was cool. Um, but listen to what it says, a, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. We're talking about our tongue, our mouth, the words we speak. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So you kiss your mama with that hell mouth, you know, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like set on fire by hell. Now, now listen, I'm joking, and, and, and this whole section of Scripture is like just how difficult it is to control the tongue, and if you do it, you're perfect, and all that kind of stuff. And the whole point is that our mouths, our words, they matter, and they matter to God. It's very, very uh, important. Uh, about a week ago, a pastor in our conference left his church, and... Uh, Uh, What had happened is eight months ago, his secretary had caught him in his office with a woman from the worship team, and they weren't weren't practicing parts for the upcoming worship, Uh, and so she just freaked out, I mean, the, the, the secretary, and the pastor was trying to explain, it was nothing, you misunderstood. I'm studying for my uh, dental degree, and I was just checking for cavities or whatever. So uh, whatever his excuse was, hey, it's not what you think. It's no big deal. Just let it go. It's all under control and all this kind of stuff. And so she just just sat with this for two weeks, just, just kind of going, what do I do? How do I handle this and she talked to her husband about it and she didn't she didn't know if she should go to the board or not and so she decided one more time she was going to go to the pastor and just say look I I need to know what's going on uh, because this kind of affects all of us and so two weeks later she was in his office opened the door and there they were again in there and so she decided I'm going to go to the president of the board she went to the president of the board he called an emergency board meeting they sat for an hour and grilled this secretary. What, what did you see? What do you know? How, do, you know, how are, are you sure? You know, all this kind of stuff. This is a, this is a, you know, a big deal. And you know, I don't think we're prepared to go through this. But they decided they were going to, somebody on the board was going to get the courage to go talk to this man and, and confront him. And so one board member went and took him out to lunch. And he just kind of sidestepped. And it was all, and the guy didn't really have the courage to just like come out and say it. And so... So finally, six months went by, and they, they decided they're going to they're gonna do something. But prior to that, the, the, the pastor left with $80,000 of the church's money, and he moved to Kansas Now, the, with this girl. Now, the worst part of this whole story is that he moved to Kansas. Like, who does that? No. All right. Now, the reason I can joke about this is because I just made that entire story up. Everything. Everything. There was no secretary. There was no pastor. There was no affair. There was no, there was no nothing. I just made up a story. I used my position as a person of trust, as a pastor, a, pa- a pastor, to trick you and to fool you and to get you into this story and to make you feel all sorts of stuff. And you probably felt like, oh, like righteous indignation. And if that were our pastor, we, I'd kill him, you know, I'd, all the <laughs> loving and healthy stuff that goes through your mind in a story like that. 
And some of you right now are like, dude, what are you doing? What are you making up stories for? Like, what did you do this week? Did you prepare for a sermon or what, what, what's going on? Because it's just so obvious that you just don't lie like that. You just don't do that. On the, on the other hand, there's something weird about the human condition. Now, some of you, and if, it, if I were there, because I, I spent more time on my life on this side of the, of the stage than on this side of the stage, Sometimes my pastor would tell stories like that, true stories, and there'd be some kind of like weird like thing in me that was like, dude, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> what? He did what? Oh, my jaw would drop, and I'd feel all that righteous indignation rising up, shaking my head and looking around that we can all agree that this is just horrible stuff, can't we? I mean, don't, don't, what, what is that that feels that way? I think there's a part of us that kind of likes feeling appalled in some way. It's, it's why we have Jersey Shore, right? <laughs> no, seriously, think about it. Think about it. Now, some of you are like, I've never seen Jersey Shore. I don't care. That's, that's trash. But there's a lot of millions of people watching Jersey Shore. There are a lot of millions and millions of people watching Honey Boo Boo or whatever that new one is and that, that whole thing. The TMZ is on for a reason because we, there's a, this, this weird thing and we, we totally laugh about it. I, I said Jersey Shore so that you would laugh because it, it's, it's just funny, but it's so true. There's something in us that kind of likes being appalled. We have talk radio because we want to be, we kind of want to be angered and, and, and we have all these different, you know, news organizations that are bent to just kind of get you, to get you hooked and help you feel that righteous indignation. And, and even for those you guys who are just like, I don't watch Jersey Shore, I watch ESPN. ESPN is just a drama show. It's like who said what and who's trading who and what they said and who they tweeted and all that kind of stuff. So don't, man, don't give me that. You, you love it just as much as I do, okay? This is the thing. We just kind of like a little bit of that. And maybe I'm making you feel uncomfortable right now. But here's the point I want to make. Even though we like it and we kind of like having good tidbits of information and we like informing each other with stories, God hates it. He hates that stuff. It drives him crazy. He hates stories. He hates gossip. He hates talking about other people. He hates us getting involved in people's lives when we have no intention on helping. We just want to share stories because really what we're doing is we're exchanging goods and services really. I get information. It's good information. It's shocking information. And I know when I tell you, you're going to be shocked and appalled. And so my payback when I give away this power, this information is to see your reaction and it feels good to me and we can both feel good together. And then you take that information and you go to somebody and you tell them and it's the same exchange of information and it's, it's, it's just power. It's just this thing of I know something you don't know and it's really juicy and it really is crazy. And when you hear it, you're going to be appalled and it's kind of going to feel good. Let me read you something that the Bible says about this. And if none of this applies to you, um, I apologize for being so candid with myself. He shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. This is God talking to the people of Israel as he's kind of setting up the standards of what it means to be a people of God. 
what it means to be set apart, what it means to be kind of a family, a, a, a holy nation. And, and, and in the New Testament terms, we'd call this what it means to be a body of Christ or Christ's bride. And it's not just limited to our church. We're connected with a whole bunch of different churches. We, I call it the big C church, like the, the church universal, the church of Jesus Christ. That's all over the world. God is saying this. He shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Anytime you see I am the Lord in Scripture, you can replace it with a current I ain't playing. Like it's, it's just like he's saying, listen, this is so serious to me. It's on my name. I am the Lord. And you look through Leviticus, through a lot of the Leviticus, it's, it's the same thing. He makes a statement. You don't use unjust scales. I ain't playing. I'm the Lord. I'm serious about this. Don't go to a, um, a spiritualist or a medium. I am the Lord. These things are serious to me. This is what God's saying. Don't go among your people as a slanderer. Don't get and mess up other people's lives. God is dead serious about this. He hates it. And yet, it's so hard for us because we like it. And, and even not at a grand scale where we're telling a lie about a pastor like I just did, uh, but, but, but to, to small, little extents, it might be just a rolling of the eyes or a wink-wink or like, you know, did so-and-so show up, at, up on time? Uh, yeah, right. Our, our way of saying he never shows up on time and that's, you know, we can all joke about that. God hates it. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs, there's seven things he hates. He, he hates uh, haughty eyes and a lying tongue and feet that run to evil. Like all, all these kinds of things where you're going, yeah, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then he, uh, in, in verse 19, it says this. He hates a false witness who utter lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. Hey, you, think, you think in terms of like, well, this seems all intentional, like, like you'd lie on purpose or you'd spread strife on purpose or you'd, you, you know, that this verse applies to the person who's just kind of nasty. But all throughout Scripture, as you see gossip and slander and talking and strife and all these kind of words that we often interpret as gossip uh, as we kind of change from the Greek word to the English word and all that kind of stuff, you get this sense that it, it goes far beyond that. Because we've all seen in our lives times when we didn't intend any strife. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but there have been times I didn't mean to say anything bad. And when the flames came out of my mouth and just a little tiny thing, a forest fire gets started, and you're thinking, if I had known then what I knew now, I never would have said anything. This is what God wants us to watch out for especially in our families at home as we raise our kids and the model we set for them. Are we talking about other people? Now, the, the, the Bible doesn't give a, a definition for gossip. It kind of gives just, uh, it paints a picture. And so in some ways, it talks about whisperers. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of get that idea with gossip, like something where you'd kind of just turn. And if you're, if you're in high school or junior high, you've seen this played out every day on the playground or whatever. Somebody whispering and everyone giggling and the other person feeling terrible. You might see it at work around the water cooler or whatever, where you're having a conversation and then when someone comes in, 
the conversation just ends. Okay, that's a, that's a good indication, a really good one, that there's a problem, okay? And so the, it, does, it talks about sometimes, uh, uh, like a, the Greek concept is that words are bubbling up. Like there's a, it's kind of just like a babbling brook, if you will. We've seen that played out, and I've played it out in my own life. I'm, uh, it, it, it's just this idea. And, and so I was reading all these different definitions, and I was getting frustrated because there really isn't a good one And yet, I think that's really important because I think God wants us going back over and over and over again, not to the technicalities of what we're saying, because if I came up with a definition, we as people would just go down the checklist. Oh, okay, yeah, well, you know, I didn't really mean it that way. I can say this. Whereas God wants to go, why are you saying it? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's going on in the heart? What's your motive? What's your motive for saying what you're about to say? And I've noticed, you know, as I, again, as I've said before, every time I study something, I I always get in trouble by God in some way. He's always just like, yeah, here's what it looks like in your life. And I'm like, why don't we just talk about the church's life? He's like, no, I'd like to talk about your life. And so I'm stuck with that. But I've seen it in my own life just this week where, like, I started asking myself, why am I saying that? And I started thinking, I'm saying it because I'm really uncomfortable in this situation, and I think that maybe this will make me feel more comfortable. That's kind of weird. How disgusting. I'm a pastor, right? But that was perfect. It was great. I asked myself the question. I was able to analyze it. And people were wondering why I was talking to myself, but that's, that's, I'll deal with that later, right? And look at what Paul says. Paul, Paul's going to the church in Corinth, and he says this, I'm afraid I'm afraid that when I come, I might find you, uh, I, I might not find you as I want you to be and may not find me, and you may not find me as you want me to be. What this means is I'm afraid that I'm going to show up and it's not going to be very good and you're going to want me just to look past it and I ain't going to do it. This is kind of what he's saying. I'm afraid I'm going to get there and you guys aren't going to have it all together. And then you're going to want me to just go erase, erase, and I'm not going to do that. Now, what is he talking about? I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. In Romans, Paul writes about having a depraved mind. And if if I were to take a poll and I were to write, what is it like to have a depraved mind? You'd think serial killer and weird, creepy guy that, you know, sits on the park bench and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so you, you're, you're like thinking depraved mind, but Paul goes on to define it. And some of them are like, I do that. <laughs> like, I don't have a depraved mind, do I? I don't know. He sums up that list with they are gossips. I start thinking to myself, like, man, am I, how, what does my speech look like? What's going on in here? that makes me want to talk about somebody else. One of the general definitions that I heard about gossip that was helpful for me was, if, it, if I'm not part of the problem, or I'm not part of the solution, what business do I have talking about it? If I'm not part of the problem, if, 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 I, if it didn't happen to me, or isn't, you know, is this my family, or my work or whatever, if I'm not part of the problem and, I, and I'm not trying to solve anything or be part of the solution, there's a pretty good chance I don't need to be talking about it. What I want us to do is we're going to look through a, um, a section of Scripture in Ephesians that really gives good 
kind of overall guidelines for our speech, and then we'll, we'll get kind of four tools to write down that if we want to just help us this week and in, in the coming weeks. And like normal, on our notes, we don't have something you fill out. Uh, and the re- we do this on purpose is because I don't want to have you f- just fill out what I say. I want you to listen to God as we go into the scriptures. I want you to hear from God's Holy Spirit. And that's what you write down. Sometimes people's notes are just like, I need to talk to my boss <laughs> or whatever. It's something God's just, bam, that's, that's what we want. Um, so here's what Ephesians says. It says this, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, oftentimes we think of unwholesome talk as like cussing or like inappropriate jokes or whatever. It's just worthless. Don't have any words come out that have no worth. They have no value. They, they're rotten, kind of. They just, they're just not rotten in the sense of, ooh, that's a bad word. Just they, they're worth, they have no value. They, they don't, they're good for nothing. Don't let any good for nothing words come out of your mouth. Okay? And then, then, then Paul goes on to kind of give it some more, uh, like, well, what do you mean by that, you know? He says, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only... Only, these are the only things that should be coming out of our mouths. The only thing that should come out of my mouth this week is that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now that, regardless of your definition of gossip, is a pretty good place to start, is it not? Why am I saying this? Does this have value? We're going to go over some of the questions we can ask ourselves. Uh, and then what happens is we get to this verse that I hear taken out of context all, all the time. This next verse is one that we, we kind of throw around the church in all sorts of different ways and different uh, situations. But notice the context in which this statement is. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you've heard this phrase mentioned probably a lot of times, okay? But, but we're going to catch it in the net it was supposed to be caught in when when this was first written. Okay, so I'm going to read that first verse again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Those of you who are parents, how many times have you been grieved when you listen to your kids talk to each other. I mean, I've never had that problem happen because my children are perfect. But I mean for your children uh, because they're, no. Right? How many times have you heard them talking to each other, heard the speech that's coming out of their mouth directed towards each other, or, or heard one talking about the other, and you were like, guys, what are you doing? See, I think that's grieving the Holy Spirit. I think God hates it when we talk about each other in a way that's not building each other up, in a way that's not there to help. I think the context of do not grieve the Holy Spirit has to do with our mouths. Watch, it goes on even after that. Get rid of all bitterness, which, which again, the, the concept there of this word is whose mouth is full of bitterness. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. 
just as Christ forgave you. If we want to kind of encapsulate it, it's like, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. It grieves the Spirit. Just forgive each other. It's kind of a, if you want to sum, sum all that up. Well, that, that's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that my speech, when I slip up or when I start feeling like I'm, I have some information that someone would want or whatever, that, that when I think I'm getting value out of that or something's it feels good to me, I'm grieving the God who redeemed me. And basically, he's saying, just forget it. For, forgive. Do, do, God forgave you. Don't worry about all that kind of stuff. So, so let me ask you, what does it look like in your life? Like, what, what does it look like at school when you go to school? I mean, for a lot of you guys, school's starting up this week. And for some of you, it's already started. It's scary, and you got people, you don't know who your friends are going to be or whatever, and the last thing you want to happen at school is to not have any friends and be outside the circle so when they're whispering and laughing and doing all that and you're the one, you don't want to do that. So the temptation is going to be to kind of join in or maybe you get a new job and there you are and they all have inside jokes and you kind of want to be part of it because it feels really uncomfortable to be outside. What, What does that look like for you? What does it look like on your drive home from someone else's home as you're there as a family driving through the thing and you're kind of talking about what you experienced there? What does that speech look like? Or, you, or a neighbor moves in and you're there with your family and you start just talking about who they might be or may not be. These are the things I've been mulling over my head. So I, I just wanted to take just a little bit and kind of give us four things we can do to help us in this area of gossip. And I I also wanted to say one other thing, that just how proud I am of this church as a church body. Because as a church body, we just don't, at least I don't feel like we struggle with this. You, You know, you've heard the stories about you have one person in the church that's kind of a gossip, and they go and they spread all this stuff. It just doesn't happen here that I know of. I mean, you know, maybe you guys are just really good at it. I don't know. No, it, it just doesn't happen here. And I just, I, I can't tell you as a pastor what, uh, how great that is to be in a church where, you know, people are supportive of, of one another. I'm talking more about kind of when we get into the workplace and we're back at our homes and things like that. The first thing we can do is we can ask ourselves some questions before we speak. Start asking ourselves, I touched on this just a little bit ago. What, what am I saying? Why am I saying it? Where did I get my information? What, what's going on in my heart that makes me want to say this? Ask yourself some questions. And this particular verse in Philippians is a really good one to kind of use as a checkoff for what you want to say. So Paul says it this way, whatever's true, you can just start there. Is it true? Do you really know it? Not if you think it's true, is it true? Find out. Do the legwork. Just because you heard it from someone, is it really true? And you'll see this all the time when you're talking to people. So-and-so is, uh, is cheating on their girlfriend. Uh, really? Oh, my gosh. And you can just stop there. Go, wow. Well, where, who said that? Oh, my friend knows his best friend. Your friend knows his best friend and therefore he's cheating. No, no, no. She, he said he saw him, he, with another her. And so she, who, the her, this her, said, and so then, and then that, so you, you know, that, like you, he saw her 
with the other her? Well, no, he just knows. You can just tell. You can just tell. Because most people are marriage and family therapists, and they can just go right to the heart of the matter in junior high, right? right? We do the same thing, okay, as adults. I pick on kids, but we do the exact same thing. We're just really good at rephrasing and letting each other off the hook. Is it true? Is it honorable or NIV noble? Uh, is, it, is it honorable? In other words, could you stand and say, everybody, listen up. I've got something very noble to say right now. He's cheating on her, okay? Like, no, it couldn't be that. Like, like is it honorable or is it noble? Is it right? Is it right for you to say that? I mean, listen, you start with true You've cut your daily word count down to about seven. <laughs> like, like, to have to go through all the hassle to find out if it's true takes all the fun out of it. But God wants to know, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Right? Is it of good repute or admirable? And it says, if there's anything excellent uh, or praiseworthy, think about these things. And now... Some of you Bible scholars are going, wait a minute. It says, think about these things. This isn't talking about what you can say. Ah, good job. If you want to talk before you think, awesome. Go for it. See where that gets you. But God wants us prior to speaking. He wants us thinking, analyzing, questioning. Why am I doing this? Why do I feel good that I found out that so-and-so is losing their job? What is that about me? What sickness is there in me that I heard that one guy who said that about me, now he's getting his. What is going on? And why do I want to speak it? So the first is to ask yourself a bunch of really hard questions. The second is leave the conversation. If you find yourself in a conversation and everybody's talking about everybody, just leave. And you don't have to do it with this grandstanding, nose-in-the-air kind of, um, you know, I am a Christian and you're, my ears do not... You can just leave. And they, where are you going? Oh, I got that thing because I walked over to the one and saw it. And that, that's the thing. See ya. You know, whatever. Off you go. Just leave. Look, look at what the Bible says. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. And a woman who talks too much. Okay? I'm sure. Like, it said, man, I wasn't. Look at Proverbs 20, 19. <laughs> He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the gossip. Get rid of them. As you go into school this season, as you begin to uh, kind of start up as a family again, you know, the, for the fall is when we kind of all get into our routine again. And maybe there's some relationships you want to just put off to the side. Number three, be quiet and let it die with you. Sometimes you're in a conversation, somebody gives you some information, you don't know if it's true or not, you heard it, you listen, just let it die with you. Let it play out in somebody else's life. But for you, it goes in, locked, key comes out, there it goes, right? You just let it die with you. And this is hard sometimes, right? But you can also just be quiet in the midst of the story. They tell you a story and instead of you going, what, really, and egging them on and just giving him cash, giving him payment for all that, you just sit there. Oh, hmm, I didn't know that. Wow, we should really do something to help, help that person. 
or just quiet. That's the most uncomfortable thing in the world for a person telling a story, and you're just like, you're like, isn't that crazy? Man, doesn't that just, I can't believe it. Can you believe it? It's really horrible. Okay, number four, go to the source. If you care that much, if it's all about love and it's all about I just don't want that person to get hurt and if it just doesn't, it's all that, go to the source. Now, I've taken this scripture a little out of context here um, because this is about if someone sins against you and you want to talk about it. But it says if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault and just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you've won your brother over. The concept's still the same. And as you look at gossip and as you look at talking all through the scripture, God wants us to work it out at the smallest circle possible. And so if it really means that much, if you really think something's going on, just go to that person and say, look, this is what I heard. Is it true? What's going on? Here's the problem. Oftentimes that has no payoff. In fact, it's harder than anything. The easiest thing is just to go spread it around and go, I don't know what to do. It's just the hardest thing, and this is what I found out. It's like, really? Yeah, really. (laughs) Instead of just like, I'm going to zip it and go to that person and say, look, this is really difficult for me. It's hard. I just feel like you need to know. This is what's going on. As the worship team comes back, I just want to show you this thing again. We looked at it last week. I tell you that every careless word that people speak, this was given accounting for it on the day of judgment. Every, everybody, you're a believer or not. If you don't think that it's going to happen to you as a believer, look in James chapter 4 when it talks about our righteous judge is at the door. Brothers, it says. And then the verse that we hopefully can just keep in our mind this next six weeks. And it's this one. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Nothing should come out that isn't first approved by our Heavenly Father. There's a guard, there should be a guard there, someone watching, someone saying, what are you doing? Why, why is your mouth opening up? I'm just eating a candy bar. Okay, good. Fine, go ahead. You just go ahead. Why do you want to say that? What's going on? Show me your papers. You know, like what, what, what are you, Do you deserve to be here? Are you allowed in? Give me your ticket that allows you to enter into this conversation. It's hard. It's hard. But my prayer this week is that we'd get really good at it. We'd be able to stop ourselves because God hates it. 